Welcome everyone to the 30 something podcast episode number three on this week's show we're going to talk about things men should know before they reach the age of 30. Meek Mill in relation to mass incarceration a new artist spotlight love languages the impact of single and dual parents and childhoods on 30 year old men. If you're listening on our YouTube or social media pages, please don't forget to share, comment, and subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at podcast30something. On behalf of Tone, Khalil, and Thompson, we'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy show number three. I like stunning, I like shining, I like million dollar deals, where's my pen, bitch I'm signing, I like those Balenciagas, the ones that look like socks, I like going to the Tula, I put rocks all in my watch, I like sex. Hey, 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 Yo, that's a joint right there, I'm telling Cards you man, have the summer on smash, oh Big you facts. already know, summer baby, fire, <laughs> Man, nah, she was going in. I, I, I can't even front, man. I'm off this nice little drink, and you know what I mean? That's only rocking right there. But um, welcome, everybody, to the 30-something podcast. And, back uh, at it. Back at it again. This is uh, episode number three. And um, we're going to kick it off with talking about the five love languages. All right, in case you don't know, uh, the five love languages, they were established in 95 uh, by this uh, author named... Uh, Gary Chapman, mm-hmm. and uh, he essentially broke down that the five love languages are uh, receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service or devotion, and physical touch. Mm. Yeah, so so let me ask you something. As far as that, so do you believe that people really do have love languages? And do you think that a person may have the same one as their mate, or they may have like opposing ones like what, what do you guys think yeah, about that most definitely um i believe that oh by the way this is tone you know <laughs> <laughs> quick intro but uh yeah everybody has the five love languages within them it's just the simple fact that once you get i guess in your 30s which mm-hmm. you know the podcast is the 30 something that I personally feel as if that they change. Mm. Um, so, so elaborate on that. Earlier, you know, in my earlier 20s, that it used to be uh, physical touch, quality time, um, acts of service. Uh, what's the other one? Well, we had physical touch. We had receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, and acts of service or Acts devotion. of services, and then it would be... Uh, words of affirmation mm. because I'm very confident within self. That's always gonna be my fifth, right? Mm. So I don't need nobody to tell me nothing. Oh yeah, I <laughs> think everybody. I think everybody has all five love languages. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of which so, one you're most comfortable with and which one that you want to receive to get that. Right, that it's like a ranking system. It's right. like a ranking system. I know some people physical touch is not that big to them. They don't mm-hmm. like being touched. Especially which not in, in my thirties, mine's changed. Yeah. So you know, physical touch probably went to number two or number three. And spending quality time, mm-hmm. and then I guess um, acts of service moved a little bit higher up on my list because of maturity. Mm-hmm. So that's why that transition. Sometimes I have to reevaluate them periodically, and whatever space that I'm in. So most definitely, if you know the five love languages, you might have to reevaluate those because those do change when you get a little bit older. And the thing about with these love languages is you really have to know yourself. Absolutely, some people yeah. don't even know themselves to know what their love language is. To know that. 
they they don't respond well to physical touch or they don't like uh, acts of service or gifts. That they like uh, words of affirmation. They need somebody to tell them, oh, "Yo, I appreciate you. Right. I, I thank you. I thank you that you're in my life. You know, stuff like now, that." So that, you, that takes a while to get to that point. That takes a certain time. level of maturity. Yeah, to you gotta get know to yourself. Point, you know? Yeah. And this is Thompson, by the way, I didn't really introduce myself, but you know, it's your boy Thompson. Y'all <laughs> hear love language again. And yeah. listen, guest, you know, we really do have a pretty cool guest actually on the show. Now, oh, yeah. our last two um, shows, check out the first and second episode that we have on YouTube um, and also uh, SoundCloud. SoundCloud yeah. But also, you know, I want to introduce our wonderful guest. We have a female guest, and we want to get her perspective on a lot of topics because we have been getting a lot of comments and want to get a woman's perspective. So I want to welcome Kenya to the show, the podcast, 30-something podcast. And also, she is our, you know, photographer as well. So she focuses really on kids. Um, she's into the, you know, art of photography. Most definitely check her out on the kgillespiephotography.com. But also, Kenya, what is your perspective on the five love languages? So I definitely agree that um, as a person, I'm not going to say you have all five. I believe you probably have most. Um, the one thing that I would probably differ with you on is not that people don't know themselves to know what love language they have. What the book did for me was give me the words that it, it allowed me to articulate mm. it in a way that I knew what it was. I didn't actually know how to articulate it to other people gotcha. to where it made sense. And it made me seem less selfish because oh. I'm a receiving gifts person. <laughs> oh, really? That's the top one, right? <laughs> and I would say probably receiving gifts, um, acts of service, then words of affirmation, and the other two way, way down on the list. So physical touch and quality time, right? Yeah. And so that pinpoints, you know, and hopefully we'll bring that topic up a little later in another actual podcast, but, you know, that mental um, interaction with a female counterpart or even your partner really is a heavy bond, so that does move up higher as you mature because you know how to stimulate the emotional piece of a relationship, right? But... You said the acts of, you know, I mean, the gifts, right? Mm -hmm. That's the top. What type of gifts are you talking about? Because, I mean, you can't be having somebody in need of markets trying to run up the bag every week. Man. So it's not necessarily for, first let me just clarify that I'm a very generous person by nature, okay. right? And so um, it's important for me to make sure everybody understands. I'm not asking you for anything that I'm not willing to give of myself. Okay. Um, but when we talk about gifts... Um, the easiest way for me to kind of explain it is I have a lot of when guys try to come on to me oh can I cook for you can I rub your back can I do XYZ that's I, at the bottom of your list though right I find that's all like of that repulsive oh, yeah <laughs> and so it's always a disconnect because I'm a gifts person so hey we can go out we can impress me and I always I have a saying that um, guys uh I'm not impressed by your uh, by your attention, and sometimes I think that that's the bare minimum. Oh, for some people, that's everything. Mm. If you just pay attention, give me your time and attention, they're, they're good. That's quality time. That's right. that love language of quality time. Yes, but guys have the um, unfortunately, I think most assume that quality time is important to every woman, mm. and you approach us with you know definitely me. 
with that um, perspective, and it always goes south. Now, could you, you know, you know, go back to your twenties and and has those love languages changed for you personally, in in order, or, or do you feel like they stay consistent? I feel like they've stayed consistent. I would say what has changed is my tax bracket. <laughs> so, the type of gift that I expect has uh-huh. probably become a little more elaborate um, over the years. <laughs> no more promise rings, no Now, monetary gifts dollars. are simplistic things like, you know, say, for instance, somebody is driving out of town and they go to a pit stop and they bring you back a keychain from... Absolutely, I think that's okay. awesome. So it's the thoughtfulness. It is the thoughtfulness. It's the receiving of something. So let me ask you something, then. As far as like with the love languages, do you think that there's a correlation between a person's love language and then their childhood? Like meaning the way that they were brought up, and if they didn't receive affection from their parents, and then do you think they look for that affection? From their mates or if they were spoiled growing up they expect their mates to like spoil them How, what do you guys I think, think about that absolutely that. yes I, I think that's a you are a product of your environment indeed whether that it, the product ends up being positive or negative you know you typically are a product of your environment I do have one quick question do you guys think there are, there are only five love languages are there any other ways of communicating your your love or affection with someone that's not outlined i think as far as with that because it like you mentioned it's a book so it's someone's perspective it's someone's opinion it's 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 articulated a certain type of way Um, but there's always going to be more you know what i mean there's always going to be different things that that person didn't think about or they didn't list and and that's totally fine so to answer your question I do believe that there may be other ways, but I do think that the author did do a great job at just making it concise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ultimately, we just got to pay attention to our mate and try and figure it out or have them tell you, you know, straight up. Yeah, and that's and that's where good communication comes in at. Because I think a lot of people where we go wrong, we don't communicate. A, a lot of times we expect the other person to just know or to just get it. Right. And that's not life, Right. Sometimes we don't, we don't know, we don't understand. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate everybody actually listening in. Most definitely check out the actual book of the five love languages, especially for your spouse. Um, Right, (laughs) facts, they not. But it's good content, and if you really don't know about it, look it up. Indeed. And we're going to be right back and check you out in this. We're going to take a break, all right? That song never gets old to me. But anyway, welcome back to the 30-something podcast. I hope that you are enjoying the show so far the same way that I am. It's your homie, Josh. And uh, for this segment, I would like to talk about if uh, if you fellas and, and a lady, 
If you notice a difference between men who are raised in a dual parent home versus men who are raised in a single parent home by the time they, they reach 30. And then specifically to you, Kenya, do you notice a difference uh, in your dating life when it comes to men who are raised in a single uh, versus dual uh, family home? What are your thoughts? <laughs> so I have to be honest. Uh, I can't say that I've seen a difference. Um, as a woman, one of the things I hear and I find it really offensive is um, a woman can't teach a boy how to be a man. Mm, I've heard that and before. my comeback to that is always, as a mother, I don't need to teach him how to be a man. I need to teach him how to be a decent human being, which supersedes being a man. Mm. Um, I do believe it is critical for men to be in the household and to be in their child's life. I don't believe that the child that it always has a very a detrimental impact on the child i think when the mother is the mother that she needs to be that she can she can overcompensate a lot to fill some of those voids again going back to being a decent human being i believe is more important than it is to teach a teach a boy how to be a man now i just i just really you know agree 100% you know, what you said about how, you know, a woman should teach a boy or a woman how to be a decent human being. But based off of boys or females, women, that literally have that single parent, you know, in the home, it's a lot of aneurysms, mannerisms, isms that they portray off as levels of um, weakness if they're not followed up behind role models. Now, that's the part where if the man is not in the home, that if you don't have that solidified role model, that it's still something that it's always going to be something missing. It. And what I mean by that is, is that I was raised in a house with two parents. And I had my mom and my dad until I was grown. And I still had that village where I had role models such as my godfather, my uncles, who whatever steps that my dad might have missed in you know manhood, mm -hmm. they followed right through. So I think you said something very important there. And so this is my public service announcement of today. <laughs> uh, what you said was when your father was not available, you had other role models. And you need that. And so I'm saying I'm, to any man that's listening and then a woman as well, I challenge you to be a role model to some child that is not yours that needs an adult, someone loving and Especially caring in, our in their community. life. Especially. Because it does take a village, and the village doesn't have to be inside your home. Right. And then also with that um, – you can have a, a situation where both parents are in a household, right? But just because both of the parents are there, it doesn't even necessarily mean that they are a role model type of parent. Oh, they're you, a role model regardless if they're trying or not. Like, whatever person is in that child's life mm -hmm. that's in contact with them, like, in the majority of the day, they're their role model whether they realize it or not. And they're picking up their values, their conception of what it, t it means to be a man or a woman or a contributing person in society they're picking it up from you regardless of your trying or not yeah i mean it, it, and honestly 
because it's 2018, so technology is, is, is so advanced these days. I, I, I truly believe technology is raising the children. I truly believe, like, the media, social media. I mean, you got instances where children are committing suicide, and they're into family households. But what's going on in their society? Like, Oh, you're talking about, like, that YouTube channel where you got kids playing with toys and kids just watching other kids playing with toys on YouTube. You got a lot of weird <laughs> stuff on YouTube. Like, in fact, if you have children and you think just throwing, like, an a iPad or, or something Yo, in front of them. so much where, like, kids, uh, parents are just... Throw in like a piece of technology in front of the kid and say, have fun for the next five So what hours. are they unlocking when they do that? What are they unlocking for the, the, the future of this child? What are they doing? So I think they're doing two things. One, Because I, I grew think... up on Sesame Street. You grew up on Sesame Street? Yeah, I grew up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sesame Street. Everybody in here, romper room if you're really old school. <laughs> Shout out to them not saying my name. No, I was mad about that. They couldn't say my name. Hey, romper room lady. <laughs> but sorry about I'm that. Sorry. I think two things. The one thing that it does is it definitely um, increases the intelligence and overall intellect of the child. The uh, the technology aspect. Absolutely. Okay. But two, it exposes them to things far beyond their years and what they should be exposed to. And a prime example is that is what you just touched on is that eight year old who committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I remember when that happened, I kept thinking, how does an eight year old even know what suicide is mm. to know how to accomplish it. And so it had to be technology. Mm. Um, and I'm sh- sure no one, you know, I don't think they've probably delved into that aspect of trying to figure out how he knew what steps to take to take his life. But what else could it be? So, Thompson, what's your perspective, I guess, for the dual you know, parenthood versus the single parenthood in the household. Well, I think regardless if it's like single parent or double parent, like just being like instilling those the grandmas. Values. We forgot about oh, the grandmas, grandmas too. Like I said, it takes a whole village. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of instilling gender stereotypes in the kid to think, oh, your girl, you're gonna have to do this. You're gonna have to cook and clean and be like a supporter of a man and be a, a wife and a mother or. For a man, you're supposed to be able to fix a car and uh, provide and protect and never cry, never show emotions. It's about instilling core values so that when you do grow up, you know who you are as an individual and being able to pass that on to your offspring and so forth and so on. It's not a matter of instilling you know, gender stereotypes and instilling these outdated perceptions on what it takes, what it means to be a man or a woman. Just instilling core values and moving forward. That's how I... See, regardless if you're single parent or dual parent, just helping that child become who they are. Gotcha. And gotcha. setting those values to me. Okay. So the last thing that I want to say, and I think this deserves further conversation, even though we don't have time to get to it tonight, is I hear a lot of ladies call themselves single parents. And being a single parent is not the same thing as being single with a child where the parent is involved in the child's life. You are not a single parent in the aspect that is being used and thrown around. Your relationship status and the fact that you have a child is very different. And I want, I say this because I want our women, black women specifically, because we're the ones who, we have a lot of work to do at rebuilding our culture and our families Stop giving that negative perception to black men by claiming that you're a single mother 
when you know your child's father is involved in their life. Mm. That is critical. It is very demeaning to black men, and I want us to stop that. Wow, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> and with that, thank you, Kenny. Yeah, I'm about to say, with that being said, let's uh, take a break. <laughs> All right, so the conversation, you know, off the recording part of, you know, production, shout out to the engineer, Josh, but, you know, the conversation got a little bit intense because we were talking about, you know, current events such as Meek Mill, and, you know, I do want to hear everybody's, you know, perspective in the room because this is a serious topic <clears throat> that we need to address. Now, everybody knows, or if you shouldn't know, Meek Mill has been incarcerated and been on probation for the past 10 years Nine, of his lifespan. Yeah. A decade, and man. That's crazy. He's had a couple, you know, visitors um, such as Kraft, the owner Robert of the Patriots, and, the, excuse me, the Patriots, also, the owner of the 76ers, the mayor, the mayor of Philadelphia came visiting him in incarceration for a violation of probation of him popping a willy in his video. So, I want to get everybody's chiming in and, you know, opinion about the situation at hand because the conversation got a little bit deep. So, we want to backtrack and let you guys know what's going on. All right. Uh, what up? This is Thompson. Uh, in my limited knowledge of the situation, I understand that... Uh, Meek Mill, he's had issues since adolescent. He's been in and out of the juvenile detention centers. He's He caught a case mad young in his life, and he's still reaping the consequences of his decisions from back then. And, like, we, I know we could sit here and say that, you know, the system's all messed up, and, like, Meek Mill should know better, and, like, he knows the people are watching him. He needs to act a certain way. But when you're put in that situation since adolescent, and you can't escape, those uh, consequences you can't you can't pay enough of your dues to uh, pay for no, those you mistakes. You can escape, but somebody just actually is targeting you. You're being targeted at this point. You can escape. And he was he escaped. You know his past. He followed to in my eyes his you know regulations of probation. It was people I believe that actually was just out to get him. I mean, he was a target of being saying, "Hey, you know." And and you hear about like uh, compromises in the judicial system, the judges, the judge trying to uh, uh, persuade Meek Mill to do certain acts and sign with certain people, and he'll they'll let him free, and like the whole thing is compromised. It's it's destructive. Like it's he's been set up from the jump, and like even if he were to escape it, like they're still trying to hold on to him. And yeah, let's just keep it real. Like, seriously, man, the, um, the whole system fucked up. You know what I mean? Excuse my language. The system is, is designed perfectly to work against us. And that's just the truth of the matter. It's no, yeah, you got to take, you got to be accountable for your actions. You got to be responsible for, you got to be very, very responsible, but uh, it's no matter, no matter what you do, there's going to be things that you can't, get around you can't get around like racial profiling you can't get around uh, people just being bigots you can't be around you can't get around you got you got cases where 
two a, a black kid and a white kid do the very same thing, but the white kid does no time or gets probation and the black kid get a million years. You know what I mean? There's a million different type of examples of of things going on. I mean, you got political prisoners, you know, for free mumia. You know what I mean? You even see recently with the whole Starbucks situation where two guys chilling in a, a Starbucks in uh, Philadelphia, uh, the, the, the employee at Starbucks uh, sees their thinks they're causing an issue or I think they tried to use the bathroom right. and the, the employee says, oh no, uh, you only customers use the bathroom and then they get a little back and forth and then they call the police and then they get arrested. Yeah. You know how many people loiter and chill in Starbucks without doing nothing all day huh. and then for some reason you feel like you have to escalate the situation to call some police to arrest these two black guys and then the police when they arrive there mm-hmm. they're not doing their job in assessing the situation and realizing that there isn't any type of Necessity for them to be there and talking to the Starbucks employee and saying, "Oh no, there's no issue. It'd be good." They elevated and escalated the situation even further to the point of allowing the justification of this employee calling the cops to make and then it arresting simple. Them. I mean, they could have made it simple and say, "You know what? Um, they were called. They made a call. They could have just had the two boys actually leave." But since they got arrested um, and they didn't get charged or anything that I know of for right now. The fact that they had to be put in handcuffs in the system is mentally detrimental to their, you know, yeah, it's mental health. It's embarrassing as well. I mean, it's like modern day lynchings. It's like, like there, it's the, the system is always gonna, you know, reinforce itself. The system is gonna like if you have people that's in power who look at you and they fear that you're going to do the same thing that they've done to you for hundreds of years. It's automatically ingrained and instilled in them. A lot of people, you don't, if you're not a racist person, you don't have to say, Oh, I'm not racist. No one doesn't, no one doesn't do that. Your actions are going to prove that. And Kenya, you got something? So what I was actually going to say earlier and what we were talking about is a little, um, it's going to sound a little harsh coming in behind talking about the guys from Starbucks, because I do believe they were completely innocent. And that was a gross negligent overreaction of the manager, but, um, And and the police, but I think what's important in this particular conversation, and I'm talking to my black brothers and sisters again, right here is what is happening today is not new. And it's almost a fact. When I say fact, I would say just the same as the Pelaga, Pelaga, whoever theorem. It's a fact. It's, oh, yes. yeah, it's a yeah, right? So what are we doing to be proactive in anticipating the, these types of incidences so that we can continue to better ourselves and overcome them? Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that we use it as a crutch, but I think we use being surprised that it happened as a crutch. Because mm-hmm. honestly, can I be honest with you guys? Like, it seems kind of repetitive where it's like the same soccer going on. Something crazy happens. We make a noise. Uh, we protest. We raise some signs. The, the whole situation dies down and people forget about it. And then wait until the next thing to happen. And it's just a repeat, re- repeat, re- release, recycle kind of thing. Like, right. the cycle keeps on going. It's like, repetitive. what's the end game here? Like, what? What, yeah. what are we doing? I mean, honestly, the, the end game, if we're going to talk real solutions, <laughs> that'll probably be something that we would have to discuss off the uh, off the mics, honestly, <laughs> honestly. 
Um, and that's real. You know, anybody who out there listening right now, I, I think they can attest to that because I, I, I understand you do have to be responsible and you have to be smart. Like, that's why I love the game chess. You have to think you got to outthink your opponent. And the, 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 the greater the opponent, the greater it's going to make you. It's a lot of things that you could do everything perfect. Look at Wall Street, Black Wall Street. They wasn't we weren't messing with nobody. We wearing you know uh, suits and shirts and ties and stuff like that. You see mad lynching pictures when the people that were being lynched, the black people, they were wearing a shirt and a tie. And if you, you don't know about Black Wall Street, we had our own uh, airports, you know, trains, doctors, lawyers. Um, we were a fully functioning society in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you ever listen to some hidden music, which the Gap Band dropped a mm-hmm. nice little song called You Dropped a Bomb on Me, mm-hmm. do the history and research behind that, and it'll actually blow your mind. All right? Now, go ahead, Kenya. You said one I just need thing. to backtrack and go back to the, the, the overthinking comment that you said, and I just want to call out to everyone that the gentlemen that got arrested were very peaceful and very passive. Handling that situation like that is not really how we all we typically advocate that it's handled. But because they did that today and in the near future, they will be very rich men. Absolutely. I don't know if you guys heard about this. The the seat the he's not the CEO anymore, but he's something else. Pretty high in Starbucks on uh, CBS this morning talking about essentially they're probably getting ready to give them their own Starbucks store. But the reason they could do that one is because protesting and standing up for your rights. One person does make a difference Two, They were able to uh, keep their composure. So even though they were being done wrong in the process, they didn't do anything that could be held against them because that's usually what what the oppos- the opposition is looking so they took for. The Martin Luther a re- King tactics of Absolutely. Peaceful, right? They're looking for a reason to discount your narrative of what happened. Facts. So f- by them remaining peaceful, right? And handling the situation above the fray, um I think they set themselves up for life and if if I had to bet money on it, I would say while they were being arrested, that's exactly what they were thinking. I'm about to get paid. Yeah. And, and I would, and I, and, that's and what I'm, Camille yeah. was telling me the other day when we had a side conversation about that. They but gonna I get want, paid. Yeah, well, I they, want they everybody to They didn't know about the civilian recording the video. No. Because. I, if that, that video didn't exist, then it would have been a he say, she said well, well, you never know, like, what's going on in a moment because issues like this, believe it or not, happen every day. Mm-hmm. You just don't hear about and it. And we're just lucky enough that there was a video this particular time. Exactly. It, it, every day something is going on somewhere. You hear about these cop shootings and stuff like that. It's not just the one that it's not just the one that you hear about on social media. You got the, the higher numbers that it never makes it to social media. Um, and just to piggyback real quick on what you guys were talking about, like you, Tony, you were saying, uh, taking the the Martin Luther King approach, and Kenya, you were saying, like as far as being peaceful. Now I'm more Malcolm than Martin, right? <laughs> and, but but that's not to By say that Martin is, is, was a violent man. But Mar- uh, Malcolm's very intelligent, Fetch. very wise guy, and it's so important to be able to hold your composure. 
And and that's in life. You want to it's, it's not to say there's never a time where you don't strike back. Yeah, you got to defend yourself. You have to be wise and know, OK, let me do that, because at the end of the day, you do want to make it home as well. That's not telling you to be passive and allow people to just I'm not for that, you know, turn the other cheek. I, you know, I was taught that growing up. But now nah, when I got older and re- recognized how the world really works, it was something else. Um, but we could talk for hours about this this uh, segment. Um, but we're going to go to a quick commercial break, guys. And you got to sit back with this 30-something podcast. to the 30 something podcast if you've been listening to us for the last three episodes then you already know what this is we're gonna get into the new artist spotlight so for those who may be listening to us for the first time let me just explain to you what the new artist spotlight is Uh, we just like to do a segment every podcast where we highlight either a young artist or a new artist but just someone that we believe makes good music and that it would be someone that people in our age range would would be comfortable listening to. You know, we hear it all the time. People say that the, the new music is whack or they talk about mumble rap or talk about this generation. And, you know, I believe in, in I'll speak for us all. We believe that good music is still being produced. So we're just using uh, our podcast as an opportunity to highlight new artists uh, in our segment called the New Artist Spotlight. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to Thompson. If you could just tell everyone about this week's new artist spotlight. Hey, Josh, I appreciate the intro, man. Uh, this week, uh, the new artist uh, profile, uh, we're going to talk about they with a period at the end. Now, these cats, these are these are two cats, and I swear this was by accident because, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks, uh, Tone's been doing the, the new artist spotlight, and he's been focusing on the West Coast. Guess where these cats are from? Canada. <laughs> like the offspring of Drake or something. <laughs> these cats Shout are from. Shout out to the six guys. <laughs> these cats are from Los Angeles, California. West oh, okay. Coast That's all day up, again. Shout out to the West Coast, man. Hey, these guys. Uh, these are two uh, R&B cats, uh, Dante Jones and Drew Love. Uh, uh, they've been grinding since 2015. Uh, they put out an album, their first uh, little project. It was an EP called uh, "New Religion," and uh, they had this song on there that really blew up, especially in. Uh, uh, Australia, I believe it was called uh, Working For It. 
and uh, they've really been building up, and uh, they got their big break when they uh, opened up with Bryson Tiller, when Bryson Tiller went on his first uh, major, major to- tour when he had released Trap Soul, mm. and, you know, that's, that was a smash in, like, 2016, 17, where uh, you had uh, Sorry, Not Sorry, and... Uh, and what's Bryson the name of the group again? It's called uh, They. They with, with the period. period. You yeah. can't forget you the period. cannot Not forget a question the mark or exclamation. Not a question mark. It's a period. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. They dot. And let me tell you, <laughs> I went to that Bryson Tiller concert where they opened up. How many women were at that concert? Ooh, it was like 80, 85%. It was insane. Yeah. And let me tell you, when they opened up, they tore the place down. Like, they had everybody, they turned everybody into that place into a fan. They, they they probably put the expectation out for Bryson Tiller to hop on the stage. It was a tough act to follow. <laughs> and uh, the, the the interesting interesting thing about they is like they they fuse a lot of different musical genres together. Like mm-hmm. they fuse R and B, hip hop, rock, and pop, and they fuse it together. So they they kind of blur the lines between genres, mm. but they put a '90s spin on it. So it's kind of similar to like a Bryson Tiller. To the old school. Yeah. Okay. Their music okay. is very '90s vibe ish, and they're really dope. And uh, some of their standout tracks to me are uh, Back It Up, uh, Working For It, uh, Deep End, which is the song that led into this intro. It's a very dope song. Uh, and it's featuring this other cat uh, called Ishdar. We can talk about him in another podcast, but he's really dope too. And they put out some new tracks in 2018 called uh, Ain't The Same. So the, this week's uh, new artist spotlight is uh, They, with the period at the end. Most definitely. I'm about to check that out. Add that to that playlist. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, 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 three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, welcome back to the 37 Podcast. It's your boy Thompson and uh just uh the last segment we're gonna talk about, I figure we have a little fun here and uh I was listening to this uh radio show and uh the host on there was talking about, you know, there's certain things that a man should be able to do by the time he's in his thirties. And I made sure to make a note of that and I wanted to bring it to the table and see, you know, as I go through the list if you guys can or cannot do these things and whether or not they're essential to the skill set of a thirty year old man or woman. Uh, to you know, in this society, okay. so I'm gonna bounce some off y'all and then give me y'all reaction on what you guys think. Gotcha. Yeah, that Let's sound cool. It. Oh yeah, Let's yeah. Have it. What Let's you get got? it. All right, number one on this list. Now this might be nostalgic for you guys. Uh, whistling with your fingers in your mouth. You know, like your dad or like your fiddle, like you know, no, blow, blow, I really no. loud. Not, not, not. I don't think in our culture. <laughs> well, I mean, I, well, I know how to do the whistle. Yeah, I remember seeing my pops like whistle when I was real young, and I, I, I was, man, I was so amazed. I started learning how I even know how to whistle with like one finger. I was. I haven't done it in years. Oh, so now you're just showing off right now. <laughs> Man, Pops just used to open that, you know, that everybody got that old screen door that slammed real loud. Pops used to just yell through that screen door, and if you ain't come, then oh, it was a problem. He ain't whistle, he ain't do none of that. <laughs> All right, next on the list, reading a map. Not a GPS, not no uh, pulling up your phone and Googling. Like, do yes. you know how to legit re- yes. open up a paper map 
yeah. and know how to get from A to B just by North, using a map. North, east, southwest, I can read a map. Khalil, you're shaking your head over I'm, what's going cause on. Because I'm, I'm going with the old trusty, hey, Siri, uh, get me the <laughs> such and such. Yo, you know this technology will fail you, right? It will, and it has. But now, I still, real talk, I, I, moved, I moved to Charlotte, you know, three years ago, and the first thing that I got um, was an actual map of Charlotte to figure out where I was going. And that actually helped me get where I needed to be because my GPS didn't work because I had Sprint and I was trash. So, you know, yeah, I know how to read a map. I can get from point A to point B with no phone. All right, because there's going to come a day when it's going to happen. All right, next on the list. Can you open a bottle without a bottle opener? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, legit, one time I saw my pops growing up. He used his teeth. Oh, he's savage. Crack. He's a savage times 10. Hey, that's man, that's, that's how y'all got down in Miami, man. Yo, <laughs> there's a lot of shit that goes down in Miami. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I've seen, you know, you know, OGs open it with, you know, lighters or, you know, I can use my keys. I'm pretty, you know, handy. All right. Next on the list, grill with charcoal. Not gas, not propane, no, not microwave, no. Can you grill with charcoal? Man, uh, man, I, I ain't even gonna front with y'all, man. I, I'm great at making cereal, peanut butter jelly <laughs> sandwiches, and shit like opening up some chips. And you know, Cameron over there shaking your head at you. Like, <laughs> I mean, I now, apologize. I can stack I mean? the coals, you know, but I really don't like charcoal because it's messy. So I like the gas grill. But yes, I, was, I could do it. Hey, your boy Josh can. I can grill with charcoal. Okay. Uh, okay. You said that real confidently, man. We're gonna have to try yeah, it. Real confident, but I'm a vegetarian, so y'all don't want anything. I don't grilling. count that, man. <laughs> yeah, he grilling he watermelon, man. man. He got some watermelon there grilling, man. That's what he doing. All right, man. next on the list: tie a necktie or a bow tie. Facts. I've done that since I was 23. All right. Yeah, I can. Cool. I can tie a tie. Not a not a bow tie. I don't really. I know that's kind of like the thing right now, uh, but I, I can tie. I, I can tie a regular tie. All right, Josh. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can tie a regular tie, but yeah, I can't. All right, do a see, tie. we all grown professionals. Hey, that, know hey I learned to. Hey, shout out to you know my boy Brent B Roach, <laughs> B Roach Events. You know, <laughs> hey, we was up in uh, on the west side of Lakewood, and it's this spot called Christophiers, and we brought maybe about twenty six, twenty seven, and uh, that was the first place we actually learned to actually tie a bow tie and. It was history after that. Hey, you know, for everyone that doesn't live in Cleveland, they don't know what Lakewood is. Man. Oh, that's okay, <laughs> but you know. He's so just dropping all these names. If they like had a know. map, they could find it. That's oh, yeah, it's a hot, nice throwback. <laughs> all right, okay. I can't even front. Like, I, all my ties, they're kind of pre-tied, and I just... Judge you ain't the only one, bro. You ain't the only one. But I just recently started learning how to do it myself, so come and see YouTube slide. it, man. I, 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 that's all I learned through YouTube. That wins uh, hold on, hold on, quick, hold on, quick. So did someone tie your tie and you just never take it, like, untie? No comment. Uh, <laughs> I plead the fifth on that I one. plead the fifth. Uh, next on the topic, break down the door. Do you know how to break down the door? You talking about the, with the hinges? Like... Okay. Whatever you think. Can you break down the door if you had to? I, I mean, are we speaking we... metaphorically right here? No, like, legit what? break down the door. Okay, because my mind be going. <laughs> no, no, some medical, physical, so... break down the walls. No, nah, that's not what I was thinking about. I'm talking about break down the door if you're trapped in a room and you break Kicking down the door. The door. I'm, getting, the I'm getting out that motherfucker. Oh, I'm getting, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. getting out that door. Can I escape some shit? Yeah, <laughs> I, I can do that. <laughs> All right. Simple one. Can you change a flat tire? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, shit. Man, you'd was, be surprised out here who can't change a, a simple flat tire. If you want to get home, man, I'd have been. I didn't caught a flat on the freeway in the middle of the night and on a busy road, and you like nervous that a car might hit you, but you got to get this thing get changed. This. Yeah. I mean, I got AAA now, but before my AAA days, man, I done had a couple of flat tires in my life. So oh, yeah, yeah, you got to be able to do uh, that. Tone, you. Yeah, I can change the tire. You know, it, I don't like to. You sound very unsure over there. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> I'm pulling that spare out. Man. You know, I don't trust that jack that's with the spare because it's going to fall. <laughs> if you ain't on the hill, you don't put the emergency brake on. I know the rules. Man. But I don't want to do it. No, I, no you, nev- you never want to do it. As soon as that flat happens, you like, damn. You know Calling what I mean? my man Ray with the tow truck. Like, hey, bro, I need you to help me change this tire, man. man. Some points over there, Tom. Hey Sam, man, it's okay. Once you get in your 30s, you can afford to pay somebody to uh, do it. Light stunt, really? I'm a triple A member, man. Facts. Shout out to Triple A. Y'all owe me a check, trip well, for y'all that. Y'all on these mics right now. <laughs> Next one. Can you build the fire from scratch? Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me a lighter, give me some paper. <laughs> oh, this <man>. one. Okay. <laughs> All right, then the last, last one on the list. Negotiate or haggle. You know how to negotiate. Oh, we salesmen. You gotta know yeah, how to yeah. it's, it's a wrap on that one. I'm, I'm putting I'm putting you on blast when I'm coming to the checkout line at Best Buy for price match. Like Man. if I got some kind of gadget and I pull it up on New Egg or anything, yo, I need it for the low low. All Even right. the CD man, I done hustled him the other day. Hey, I still buy bootleg movies. You man, know what I'm I saying? know how to hustle a damn vending machine. <laughs> I'll haggle a vending machine, man. Oh, that's up. Well, there's a couple of things right <laughs> now. We can address them on another podcast, but I just wanted to test you guys out, see you know where y'all stack up. So think uh, we, we think we pass. I think I'm three for ten. I think it, that's passing. That's, right? that's on the brag cur- with on a curve. You think that's man? passing? <laughs> man, we gotta wrap this up, man. So there you go. Ten th- things you need to know to be a man or woman, you know, in your thirties. So um, it's thirty-some podcasts.